Good morning. Our scripture reading today is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus returned from the Jordan River full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterwards Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, since you are God's son, command the stone to be turned into a loaf of bread. And Jesus replied, it is written, people won't only live by bread. Next, the devil led him to a high place and showed him in a single instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said, I will give you this whole domain and the glory of all these kingdoms. It's been entrusted to me and I can give it to anyone I want. Therefore, if you will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil then brought him into Jerusalem and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. And Jesus answered, it has been said, don't test the Lord your God. After finishing every temptation, the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. A few months ago, I started seeing on uh, Trish Mitchell's social media feed that uh, she was so proud of her son and this amazing book he was writing. And, um, and I was so excited when Flint reached out to me and said he'd love to come and share that with us here at Valley and listed off the people in this place that have influenced him and um, helped him write this uh, beautiful, beautiful book. And I've been reading it the last few weeks, and uh, it always challenges me. Um, it's a good book for us to read during Lent because I think it's really inviting us to live uh, the life that we are called to be, to, to clean out the things that that are in our way, and um, I'm just so grateful for your wisdom, Flint, and um, for bringing that um, into the world in your book, and congratulations on finishing that. And so we're so excited to, to be with you this morning, so thanks Thank for you. being here. Would you welcome Flint with me? Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. So if you are not familiar with me, I grew up uh, not too far from here in Menlo Park, and grew up coming to Valley Presbyterian Church. Uh, I think it would be tough to separate my own personal self-development as an individual from the experiences that I had here growing up. Uh, one example of that is actually the uh, book is dedicated partly to Barbara Varenhorst, who was, as you all know, a, a dear angel of this, this church. Um, so just for some brief context, of why I'm up here talking about authenticity is a couple years ago, 2019, I set off on a, a fairly exciting adventure where I spent 
about a year searching for surf and good hiking up and down the coast, uh, the west coast of North America, Hawaii, and eventually Australia. Uh, six months of it was sleeping in the back of my van that I retrofitted with a little uh, bed. And then the other months were just kind of with a backpack on my, on my back and a surfboard in hand. Um, and while I was on this adventure, I had a, a significant writing project that was supposed to be entirely for myself. It was a series of essays. Each essay was uh, about a specific value. So values like integrity or responsibility or gratefulness. Um, it was really a declaration to myself of what I thought to be important to me, for me, so that in the future, after 25 years old, I could kind of come back to those things if I was wavering off the, uh, off the path. And when the coronavirus pandemic struck, I was in Australia about a month uh, after it had struck here. It was kind of an interesting uh, contrast talking to my, my parents saying everything was shut down and I was sipping an espresso on the side of the beach. Um, and the next day I was flying back to San Francisco. And when I came back, since I was intending to just continue traveling west until my bank account was dry, uh, I had a, a month or two runway to finish this project. So I spent that time uh, deliberately editing, editing it for um, 10 or so hours a day, just making sure it was what I wanted. And I, I finally put the, the period at it at the end of it. Uh, and it was at that moment that I realized I couldn't actually not share it. Uh, it's one thing to write a book for yourself. It's another thing to not share it with the people around you. After some dramatically positive feedback, it uh, snowballed into this larger project, which eventually I published last December. And uh, the purpose of these essays was originally supposed to be a declaration to myself of why these values were important to me. But what ended up happening was through the literature that I was reading uh, and the philosophy and history that I dove into, it became more of an interrogation of these ideas as opposed to a declaration of their importance. It was more a, a what are these values as opposed to why are they important to me? Um, and I, I say that as a, uh, or I say that framework because I don't believe this is self-help. It was never intended to be advice for anyone or even really for myself. It was just what are these things that we think are so important? Because they clearly are important. We're constantly talking about things like integrity or responsibility or gratefulness being important in our lives. So why are they important? And as I was diving into this, this topic, this one concept was both a value in itself, but also I found patterns of it appearing in all the other values. And that was this concept of authenticity. Uh, I've pretty much always been dissatisfied with the word because uh, if you think of all the times that you're being told to be authentic or that your brand should be authentic or um, you know, how, and how are we supposed to be authentic, it kind of feels like we're being beaten overhead by the word, like it's constantly being used. And the way that it's defined is uh, be genuine. Well, that's defining a word with another word. Or they'll say, be true to yourself which is a really pretty way of saying nothing. In my opinion, once again, this is, it's, this is all my opinion, you know, take it as you will. Um, and so I set out after I uh, created a, a series of notes for these, these essays to really interrogate this idea of authenticity. Can I come up with a definition for it? And can I create some sort of metric? As an engineer or a scientist early in uh, my career, I like to have 
measurements for things and data and analyze things like that. And so I was like, in my life, is there any way where I can measure the authenticity? Uh, and so I came up with this definition of the word, which if you resonate with this, maybe this book is up your alley. Um, authenticity is the consolidation of all that you believe to be important, so your values, exhibited in your actions in the real world. So it's one thing to think certain values are important, like integrity. It's another thing to act them out in the real world. It doesn't really matter if you think honesty is important if you go around lying to everyone, right? And so the exhibition of all of these values, it's an amalgam of all of them, is what kind of constitutes this idea of authenticity in your own life. I was fairly happy with that definition. It's in the book. <laughs> um, but I realized that but there's some truth in it. Like, I think that if you take a, a pen and a piece of paper and you write down all your, all your values, or a, a handful of them, and you rate, the, rate them one through 10, add them up and average them, you'll get a general feeling of how authentic you're being as a human being right now. Unfortunately, that didn't capture the entirety of the word. I think it has some truth in it, it feels right, but it doesn't really do it entirely, uh, justice entirely. And I, I spent some time trying to think about why that is. Why is it that we can define all these different words and these emotions, but not this concept of authenticity? Um, and what I realized is that this metric that I was using um, is just one component of the entire, very, or the entire system. So if authenticity is this overarching concept, it's built up by a series of different components. One of them is how you act out in the real world your values. But the other side is intangible because it's more of a feeling. It's the uh, reaction that you have to authentic people or authentic environments, um, which isn't necessarily or which doesn't necessarily have a definition that you can put um, to it because the way that you react to a situation is dependent on who you are as an individual and your individual lens and how you see the world. And this idea was really why it is at the heart of why I consider this book to be uh, a tangent of transcendentalism philosophy of the philosophers of uh, Emerson and Thoreau, which was in transcendentalism, they found truth, they found almost the basis for their spirituality through their connection to nature. And it wasn't that it was their actions onto nature, and it wasn't necessarily just nature in itself, but it was the actual interaction between the two. It is not that I pick up a piece of trash off of the beach, and that is my interaction. It is not that the piece of trash is picked up off the beach. It is now the connection that is formed between me and the beach. Just like uh, a action of honesty. If you are honest with another person, it is not just that you are authentic because you have been honest, but the trust formed and the trust given by the other person is the reaction, and the space in between those two things is where that power of authenticity lies. It is the substance of this, of this word, or this concept. And something came to my mind uh, when I was thinking about this this morning, which I reflected on a sermon by Mark uh, Goodman Morris a decade or so ago, which was he was speaking about the cross, uh, the stained glass cross, and the reflection of it uh, on the back here. And his comment was that, or one of the elements of this comment was that the cross alone is beautiful, and the reflection of the cross is beautiful, but the space in between is really where the impact comes from. It's this incredibly special, um, important place for all of us to come together.
And so it is the in-between of the action and the reaction that we find the power that we associate with this word. Because once again, authenticity is important, regardless of how maybe overused the concept is. We find truth in it, and we find like an emotional connection to this word or this idea. And the reason I bring this up is because as we continue to tie ourselves into the world through our positive actions, we may also realize that there isn't just truth in positive actions or positive emotions and reactions, but also negative ones. And this is where I promised I would tie it back into Lent. I promise I won't turn this into a naive philosophical lecture. The concept of something being important because of its emotional weight is important because it, things that are negative, anxiety, fear, depression, guilt, can also have truth in them. They can also have um, an, opportunity, an opportunity for us to find direction. And the way I tie this into Lent is with Lent, one of the ways that we tend to celebrate um, the, the act of going out and fasting for 40 days and, uh, of Jesus is we tend to try to sacrifice certain components of our life. We simplify for the time being and we create space in our lives. And I find this a really interesting dilemma in the sense of we are doing a very positive thing that we know is positive or we feel is positive rather. The act of creating space in our life or simplifying, taking negative habits out of our life seems to be inherently positive, right? If you were watching TV six hours a day every day, it'd probably be better for you, most likely, to, to eliminate that habit or lower that habit. And that seems to be just true. But the act of doing that is actually a fairly negative experience. The act of creating space in your life can be anxiety-provoking. Even, and this is true for many different things, it could actually be fasting. If you eliminate your lunchtime during the day, you are creating space. You're probably creating a bit of hunger. You're creating these negative sensations that you are then going to have to spill that space with something else. Um, and that's where this is important, is when you create space, there are a variety of ways that you can then fill that space. And that's the message that I kind of want to try to purvey today, which once again, isn't advice. Uh, it's just merely my reflection on these topics. If you identify a foundation of values, these things that you prioritize, whether it's integrity for some people or compassion for others, love, connection, gratefulness, responsibility for your actions, resilience, uh, mental resilience, you can then create a basis upon which you find actions or people or projects or environments that grow out of them to then fill those spaces. And it's most likely going to be a more beneficial way of filling that space. You're more, more likely, I think, once again, just me, I think that if you find space in your life or if you create space in your life, if you celebrate Lent by doing that, you may find that by filling that space with your values or with actions that resonate, stem from those values, you might be better off. Thanks. Um, There will be uh, 50 books for sale uh, that I've donated to the church, and I don't know how we're going to do this. Uh, Jenny will, will mention it. Um, and all of the proceeds from these books will go back to the church and the youth group. So um, we'd love if you guys bought a copy or two, and yeah.
Thank you, Flint. Yeah, so uh, there's an envelope in the back, buy the books, and you're welcome to, to put money in that. And uh, all of the that we'll collect will go to our Next Gen Ministries to continuing to make space for other kids um, as they grow up in this, in this church. Um, or you can, if you would like to put something in the offering, just uh, designate it for Next Gen, and we'll um, take care of it that way. Um, otherwise, uh, we invite you to give to, to making space in the world for people to live in the way of Jesus in these values that are so deeply important uh, as our offering is taken. Um, you can give online or in the back as you leave today.